Video Game Pulse. Episode 276. Everybody, I can assure you that we did not forget the forum in our last show. And I am, we totally didn't forget anything. What are you talking about? I know, no, we didn't, no. It was a test. We were seeing if anyone was paying attention or not. Mm. Who are you, by the way? I am Dr. Adekito. Oh, right. And I, you are? Uh, I forget, no, wait, it's Millennium, yes, That's right. It. So, same as always. Same as always. We are not supervised. Uh, we no are cares. half supervised. Saldera half. has taken it upon himself to supervise us mm. this show. Yeah, but we are guess, Kazless. Yeah, Kazless. Yeah. Uh, she's got things to do. Yeah, she has a uh, an appointment early tomorrow morning, so she had to go to bed early tonight. Mm, it would make sense. And uh, this is going to be a long show. We very assume, much so. So probably for the best. I guarantee you, as soon as we're we're gonna cook through the intros, we're gonna cook through side notes. I don't think there's much. Uh, News is uh, probably the saddest state of news I've ever seen in all of VGP because it, it, it really is. It's all flash. Yep. It's not that there's nothing going on. Here's the thing. When it comes to the news, there might have been something else. I might have missed it. I haven't heard anything blow up in the last two weeks mm-hmm. newsworthy in the video game industry. So Same. I don't think there's, you know, I think we got a good swath of it. Probably not all of it, but mm. nothing noteworthy of yeah. news. So it's all flash news. Uh, and then we're going to go over the forums, and then you're going to think, wow, this is going to be a short show. It won't be. It won't be. We will make it up on the back end, <laughs> I assure you. Yeah, we have two extremely long first looks tonight. So and then there's final thoughts as well, because final thoughts, you're also going to need to buckle in for that as well. Yep. You're going to upset the internet <laughs> with some final <laughs> thoughts. And uh, I'm not sure, sure if there's much else to really go on about. Do you have any side notes? Um. Not particularly, I don't think. I don't really think there's much for side notes for myself mm. either. Yeah, my side note is just that I've been, you know, playing my first look for the past, you know, couple of days straight, and I'm still not even halfway through it. Mm. Yeah, same here. I I haven't put in nearly as many hours as I would like to have into the my first look game. I have been putting a lot of hours into but my it, game. But it's more than enough that I know I can do a first look on it, so I'm yeah. not terribly concerned about that. I would say I'm about 30% through my game right now, if that. Maybe even less. Yeah. So, We'll yeah. get there. We'll get there. I don't... It's entirely possible that we're forgetting something. Probably. You know. Oh, well. Onward, March. News? News.
Like I said, there's nothing but Flash news. As such, if you wish to discuss anything further, just let me know. Will do. Okay, the update for the PlayStation 4 happened this morning. I took it, didn't know what it was. It wasn't all that big either. Uh, it, it adds external hard drive support. Mm, yeah, I read about this. I know a lot of people have been waiting for that, so mm. that'll be good. It's definitely good. Mm -hmm. uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild has already been completed in 84 minutes. I don't know how or why anyone would, but yes, that is well, a thing that happened. I'm always fascinated by the speedrunners. Speedrunners are fascinating, but I'm just like, you know, I've been playing this game for like, you know, what, six days straight at this point, and it's like, I'm barely 30% through it. How does anybody figure out what you need to do where well, you that's need what to i'm go, fascinated exactly, by you know how to do things and then well, do the, it already it, it, is mind-blowing it's like well, the one thing that always boggle my mind with speedrunners is how do they figure this stuff out like, exactly legitimately like if you ever seen like a portal or a half-life or one of those source engine game uh speedruns where they're like glitching through the yeah, wall yeah, and yeah. jump hopping and doing all these other not crazy nine yards nonsense how do you even figure out how to fuck to do any of that nonsense? It is beyond my level of comprehension. I don't know. These people obviously are more skilled than I am. <laughs> exactly. Because the simpleton that I am, I'm just like, it's <laughs> exactly. like I don't, I, I don't get it. It's it's fascinating to me. It's it's so captivating. I mm -hmm. haven't seen it's on. There's a YouTube video of it, but it's yep. like, how do they figure this stuff out? Like legitimately, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Yep. Moving on. Moving on. Uh, oh, Nintendo Switch cartridges are designed to taste bad. Yes, and uh, the internet has become fascinated yes. by this fact. In an attempt to uh, prevent people from putting them into their mouths, Nintendo, it was a rumor at first, but Nintendo then confirmed it, that they coated the cartridges with a very specific chemical that I can't remember the name of. It's a bittering agent. It's the most bitter, non-toxic chemical known to man. Yep. And it, they they. they coated the cartridges in this chemical compound so that people don't put them in their mouths and then the rumor got out and then people to test this then put them in their mouths. Yep. Which is just fascinating the way the <laughs> internet works. Yeah, the original idea was just to uh, make sure, you know, like little kids don't get hold of them and swallow them, which is fair enough. I mean, this is a perfect solution for that. But then, you know, the internet being the internet and does what the internet does, decides to, hey, let's just do it anyway, because why not? And the verdict, if anyone's wondering, is yes, it tastes yes, awful. It tastes it's very awful. bitter. Like, have you seen uh, this past week's Jimquisition? Where at the, uh, yes, yes. At the very end oh, of the God, video, he so did funny, it, and yeah. he was like, oh, my God. No, that was after... <laughs> That was after he had already, sp like, his his new life hacks segment, which yeah, is yeah. bizarre unto itself. It's bizarre and funny. It's bizarre and funny. But then he'll, like, he, like, squirts soap or something into his mouth. Yeah, and he goes, oh, that does not taste like lime or whatever the hell. Whatever he was doing. And, yeah. and then he's like, I need to take the taste out of my mouth. And he licks the Switch cartridge. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's hysterical. <laughs> that was so funny. It's like, they weren't kidding about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, it's so good. Oh, okay, hold on a second. Zaldera's got the chemical compound in the chat right now. It is dentatonium benzoate. Benzoate, yeah, that's the name of it. Dentatonium benzoate. Probably mispronounced. Probably, but uh, yeah. So that's fun, and that's because, you know, the internet being the internet. Yeah, of course, the internet will always internet. And doing what the internet, internet does. Yes, it will. Yep. Uh, moving on, actually, I, 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 uh, the only or amount of organization that the Flash News has is all the Nintendo tabs are more or less 
together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the Nintendo Switch cartridges taste bad. Uh, Nintendo Switch uh, is said, stated that, uh, you know, uh, video streaming services such as Netflix, Hulu, and the such will be coming to the Switch, quote, eventually, but it's not a priority. Yeah. Again, at this point in time, people probably have 1,500 other devices they could stream that to. That is true, yeah. Is it really necessary that every single, you know, electronic device in your house has a connectivity to that? I mean, do you really want to sync your uh, accounts to 500 different devices? Apparently, yes. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just us, I know. <laughs> uh, the uh, Nintendo has actually responded to some Switch user issues, whereas the Joy-Con controllers are having trouble connecting. Yeah, I've heard it's particularly the left one left they've Joy-Con, been having a lot of trouble with. The, the word from the internet, non-official word from the internet, is someone actually took it apart and looked into it, and the reason why they think it's a problem is because the antenna on the left Joy-Con is shorter than the one on the right. Oh, really? So it's... That's interesting. Uh, And then the list of recommended, you know, things that you can do in order to alleviate the issue from Nintendo or just... Some of, them, some of them make sense, but some of them are like, yeah, don't put your, don't put it near an aquarium. <laughs> what? I know. Some of I'm them not seem That's so a... random. I know. I've read through the list. Yes. Don't put it in or near a metal box. Don't put it uh, in or near around. Like, uh, don't put it behind your TV. Yeah. Or, or put it in or near around a lot of coiled up cables or within three to four feet of other wireless sources. It's like, yeah, I know. it it's... keeps going on. It's just like, mm, yeah. So basically, what you need to do is you need to sell your house, bulldoze you know, bulldoze a lot over, and then just build a house just for the switch and have only it in there. Pretty much, that's what you need to do, mm. according to Nintendo. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. Moving on. Moving on. Riot Games has been awarded ten million dollars in a lawsuit against a cheat service, which I only just read into this, but it's it's really. Uh, it's, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's just pretty much a slam dunk nice. uh, when it comes to... So uh, Riot Games has settled its lawsuit with League of Legends cheating service uh, League Sharp, which would take a monthly subscription fee from users in exchange for scripts and bots to help win matches or artificially level up. Oh, boy. So, yeah, that was a... Pr- like I said, that's a pretty slam dunk uh, <laughs> <laughs> lawsuit yeah. as far as I'm concerned. It's a $10 million fine. It was settled with a $10 million fine. Nice. Again, like I said, uh, it's quite uh, definitive. Uh, moving on, and then this. Oh yeah, this and then great. there's this. Then there's this. Uh, the Bolivian government is not happy about its representation in Ghost Recon Wildlands. Hmm. Yes. The Bolivian government has actually. Uh, I forget what exact terms and meanings of definitions they're going through, but they've reached out through the French embassy. Uh. To for you for for the French government to intervene with the way that they're being portrayed in a video game. Yep, priorities. <laughs> exactly, it's just it's hysterical. And then Ubisoft commented about how it's not a representation of real world Bolivia. We're just you use the location because the location's diverse and interesting, and you know, yeah, uh, the what have you. And it's uh-huh. it's just like really, I know. But the the really part where it's like you kind of you know question it a little bit is because. Real world Bolivia has legitimately high crime, like insanely high crime rate, and oh, yeah. the whole nine yards of it. So, so you're complaining about your representation in a video game instead of addressing your own real world concerns. You know, and your real, real real world issues. It's just like, hmm, really? I know. Priorities <laughs> again. It, it, it. Wow. Yep. 
Very much so. I don't think this is going to go anywhere. They're threatening lawsuit or something like that or, or diplomatic action or whatever something the wordage like that, they yeah. used. I don't think it's going to go I anywhere. I don't see this going anywhere. I don't think the French government probably looking at it was like, what? I know. Okay. <laughs> and then they moved on and did whatever they were going to do anyways. It's, it's... I know. Why should the French it. government step in and tell Ubisoft to not put something in their video game? A video game. Again, it's, in, it's insane. <laughs> I like what Fantuk has said. By that logic, people in Chicago should sue over their portrayal <laughs> in Watch Dogs. Exactly. That's a good point. Hey, it's another Ubisoft game. I mean, you know, if the Bolivian government wins, it'll set an interesting precedent that will be very damaging. Oh, yes. Which is why I don't even think courts are going to touch it. Probably not. It's insane. Again, check your priorities at the door. I know. It's Moving so on. Moving on. Pretty much. Uh, Valve is gearing up to release Source 2, but stating that it won't be useful for everyone. I tried to look into this. I don't know if Gabe Newell has actually elaborated on it further, but they really haven't said why. Okay. Uh, he In the interview that I read, he said that, it is, it is, that Source 2 is industrial strength, whereas for most people, like something like Unity Engine would suit their purposes just fine. Right. So, err. I don't, okay. Yeah, okay. I don't know why people wouldn't use Source 2 anyway. Every, a, a lot of people use Source Engine. Yeah. All right. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Crytek Black Sea has been sold off to Creative Assembly. Yes. Uh, the, 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 the developer has retained all its original uh, people, all 60 people at the studio. It has been renamed to, uh, what is it? It's Creative Assembly Sophia, I believe, is what they renamed it to. I think so, to. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so the, at this point in time, Creative Assembly now has over 500 employees across, you know, many different countries and what have you. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, apparently they're also working on an unannounced project for 2017, which E3? Nice. Yeah, we'll I would, see. I would say E3. Uh, definitely not uh, Black, uh, Crytek Black Sea, but specifically Creative Assembly mm -hmm. as a whole is working on an unannounced 2017 project. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Very much so. Uh, as for Crytek, I'm not surprised that they're selling off other yeah, yeah. sections of the company. <laughs> They've uh, been in financial, dire financial straits for a while now. Mm -hmm. uh, moving on, Sony has sold close to 1 million PSVR headsets. Very nice. Yeah, I don't really... Mm, again, I'm, I'm like mildly curious to want to try the PSVR. I want to try it for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to spend $400 on something that there's only a handful of games on, obviously. I mean, same that story with the Switch. Yeah. It's like, meh, I don't really... Same reason why I'm still like, you know, I'm set up and ready to do so when I want to get like an HTC Vive or something of the uh, sorts because, yeah. well, you know, Oculus Rift is kind of in a bit of a world of hurt at the moment. <laughs> yes. But uh, I'd be going for the, the Vive anyway, but still all the same. It's like, why do I want to spend that much money for only thing that only plays a handful of games? Like, we need to wait and see for more. I think yeah. that's the reason why it's such a slow-moving uh, unit, even though the PlayStation as a whole is over 50 million units sold for the PS4. Yeah. So, yeah, but at the same time, there's not a lot of games for it, so it's not totally surprising. Mm. Anything else? Not really. Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. The developer <laughs> tweeted out. I read about this. This is quite uh, special. Like a, like a, uh, and here's the, one of the reasons why I do not like Twitter and why I always think twice about tweeting things out. Or uh -huh. Facebook's the same way. YouTube comments especially. Uh, you lose tone of voice. 
Yes. And tone of voice, you could tell when someone's joking when they, you know, they get the little, eh, eh, you know, they get the right tone of voice going for it. Uh, you can tell whether or not they're joking or if they're serious or if they're angry. You know, it, 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 that means a lot. When you read something, you lose tone of voice. Uh, he joked out about how uh, Mass Effect Andromeda is actually uh, softcore space porn. Yep. Which, again, I would, you know, maybe uh, rethink that mm. before tweeting something like that out. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, it's uh, spurred the ESRB to change the rating on it. Instead of <laughs> partial nudity, they're now listing it as full nudity. Nice. Even though it was going to get an M rating anyways. anyway. Anyway, yeah. So, eh. But again, it, it just... Not too big of a change then, really. A bit of an overreaction to a, a, a joke, but at the same token... You should have thought ahead of time before <laughs> posting that tweet. Yeah. That's why I'm always, I always tell myself that, you know, I need to tweet more out more often. And I'm like, nah, what should I say? I don't know. Okay, maybe later. And then, exactly. And, and then I'm just like, oh, I haven't tweeted anything in like four days. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the cat is amused. Zelda's <laughs> <laughs> all there and wants hardcore space porn instead. Yes. Don't we all? Don't worry, the internet will have that eventually. I was going to say, the internet will provide. Don't worry. Mm. The internet's got you covered with all your needs there. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, oh, this is yours. Oh, yeah. So uh, this past weekend at the uh, Pokemon Invitational uh, Tournament, some uh, surprising things happened. So a Twitch streamer that I personally watch pretty much every single day called A-Drive was invited to the tournament. And a lot of people were really, really upset about this, saying like, oh, why is a, a shiny hunter, you know, who streams, you know, shiny hunts on Twitch being invited to a, you know, serious competition, yada, yada. Uh, he actually managed to beat Wolf Glick, who was last year's international champion, as well as uh, Aaron Cybertron. So, yes, who was also another, like, top-tier player. Where did he finish in that tournament altogether? I'm not sure specifically. I haven't really been able to dig up too much uh, video footage about that because that's the thing with, like, I love watching competitive Pokemon battles, but it's so hard to get, like, a cohesive thing of, like, an entire event. You only usually get, like, highlight reels or, you know, specific battles that, you know, people really were into or whatever, but... uh. So I'm not sure exactly where he ultimately ended up in the tournament, but yeah, he took down two of the world's best Pokemon players, so that was really awesome to hear about. <laughs> Very much so. Uh, not to sidetrack you, but yes, Zaldera, the uh, Creative Assembly did make Total War series, as well as they're also responsible for uh, Halo Wars 2 as well. <laughs> anyway, you were saying? Anyway, but yeah, so that was pretty cool. I was actually really surprised when I found out that he won the tournament. Or, you know, not the tournament, but he won against Wolf. And then, you know, even more so later on, I found out after the fact he also won against Cybertron. So, yeah, because he's only been playing uh, BGC 2017 format for a couple months now. He only recently got into it with his uh, Road to Regional series, which actually, I think, uh, either this past weekend or the weekend before was the St. Louis Regionals where he was, you know, that series was leading up to, which, uh, you know, obviously he didn't, like, get too far into that one, but he did... Uh, do pretty well especially for a rookie player so good stuff all around it's like everyone was freaking floored like in the comment section all that i was reading through some things where it was like oh you know how could or you know someone who's only been playing for like three months take down two of the world's best players and it's just like yeah the salt was real yeah <laughs> it definitely sounds it so good stuff all around 
You, you you seem to be very pleased with that outcome. I'm always really happy when like a rookie can take down some of the world's best uh, players because like nobody expects it, and then you know there's always going to be a ton of salt throwing around it as well. <laughs> Most certainly. Anything else? Um, not really. All I right. actually uh, showed you the footage. Of yeah, that I saw the footage well, of it. It was pretty so good. That was a uh, that was a really intense match. Mm. But yeah. Moving Most certainly. On. Moving on. Uh, so a, a new feature that is actually, I think it might have already been rolled out for Twitch, is they were adding an ability to buy games directly through Twitch streamers. Uh, it's like right below the stream, there, off to the side, there's a little buy this game now for, I, th- I don't know if it links to like Amazon or somewhere else, I'm not sure, hmm. uh, but uh, it, it allows you to click on that and then you could purchase the game and then a por- portion of that then goes to back to the streamers. Oh, nice. So if you're streaming something, you, you can have that game linked as the uh, purchasable game. Yeah, so that's cool. That's actually a pretty good idea. Yeah, it is. I like that. Yep. Oh, great. Do you have your uh, next bit of flash news here? Do you have your tinfoil hat ready? Mm, always. You're going to need it. Uh, WikiLeaks has released a uh, document uh, that they call uh, Vault 7, quote, first zero year, year zero or something like that. I think it's year zero. Something like that. Vault 7, year zero. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, oh, it's a lot of nice juicy information, including <laughs> the fact that pretty much every electronic device that has either a microphone and or a uh, camera on it has uh, security loopholes within it that the CIA and NSA have been using to spy on everyone. Yeah, as you do. Pretty much doesn't surprise me. As I said, we already pretty much knew that. But it doesn't make it uh, okay, though. Mm. So, yes, uh, all the people that were... I like, Remember when the the Connect first came out and some people freaked out about how the security of, oh, I don't want this camera thing watching me. And other people were like, oh, you're being ridiculous. Oh, no, they're not. Not really. You know, all the people that put the tape over their... Uh, the scotch tape over their webcam or, you know, the <laughs> what have you. Yeah, perhaps, maybe not. Just saying. That's what I usually do is the uh, when I'm not using my webcam, I have the piece of tape over it. <laughs> I love what Fanto just said in the chat. It's great. He says he does not hold himself responsible for psychological psychological trauma for the uh, CIA or NSA would suffer from seeing his naked ass. <laughs> Which, yeah. Yep. Again, you know, they're going to have to pick and choose what they want to see. That's it. But again, you know, what are you going to do? Mm. Uh, moving on. It is oh Val oh shocking in a shocking move Valve is moving to appeal the three million dollar fine from Australian federal court. All right. That is not a big shocker. Not really. Uh, and final bit of flash news: Stardew Valley multiplayer or multiplayer will arrive first on PC, uh, but not in time for the summer update. Uh, I put this in here just specifically to say that they're still working on it. Yep. Yeah, if I remember right, it is one guy who does Stardew Valley. So I mean, what's the name really... of the, what's the name of the developer? Uh, Concerned Ape, I believe. Maybe it's some. It's a C something. I forget what exactly the name of it is. Uh, it's a great game, though. I know it that is a much. Great game. Here, let me just bring this up real quick. Chucklefish. Chucklefish. I think the actual guy's username is Concerned Ape, and is uh, what he calls Star. You know, the company under Stardew is uh, Chucklefish. Yeah, that works though. Yeah, Chucklefish is the publisher. I believe the guy's actual username though is Concerned Ape. I may be totally wrong about that, but I'm, that's what's coming to mind right now. Yeah, but again, I, again, like I said, I put this in there just to let everyone know that it, he's still working on it. Again, yep. like you said, one guy, so you know, 
Yeah, I know he took a uh, long break from it as well because he was getting so stressed out from everyone, you know, demanding when stuff is going to be done. Yeah. So he put it on hiatus for a while, and now he's getting back into it again. That's always a good thing. Mm. Uh, is there anything else you need to talk about for news? Not really. Not really. Uh, that's a pretty unanimous thing to be said about this week's news. I think it's the first time we've ever had just Flash news. It is, yeah. All good, and uh, not much else to say. Mm. Moving on. Moving on. That'll be the forums. Yes. Those things that we totally didn't forget about. Nope, not at all. So, forums. Well, forums, yes, they are. Forums that we totally didn't forget about. That are well done. That are well done, yes. With only a handful of responses. As you would expect. So, what is the most frustrating level you've ever played through in a video game, and why? First response in is from Valorith. I would have to say this one level in God Eater Resurrection where I am fighting a monster named Lilith. Her massive strength means you are constantly downed in one or two hits if you are not blocking. Always sounds like a good time. Yep. Uh, next in is Aldera saying, I probably answered this before, but I have a specific example but I find any S-grade license test in Gran Turismo series annoying <laughs> and anything to do with Gwent in The Witcher 3, F Gwent. <laughs> as far as the uh, S-grade license test in Gran Turismo, uh, just <laughs> let everyone know, uh, when it came time for my father to take the S-license test for both GT3 and GT4, he handed me the controller. Yep, I remember that. <laughs> so I had to do those things twice. <laughs> I do remember that. And they are mean. They are. Especially Gran Turismo 4, it was a lap of the Nürburgring, and you do, you had to stay keep it on the track, but you had to stay aggressive enough to get some really pretty stout lap time in, on the ring. And that was, that was not easy to do, and I had to do it twice. <laughs> Next in is Roxas with... That would have to be the first boss in Dark Souls 3. It was my first Souls game, and yeah, I mean, the tutorial boss took me a week to beat it, and there was all the rage. Yes, the uh, the first boss in uh, Dark Souls 3. I forget the specific name of it, but it's like the knight guy that you uh, have to pull the sword out of the ground, and then he comes to life, and then you have to uh, take him on, and he is legit. He is one of the toughest tutorial bosses in the Souls series, in my opinion. Always a good time to have a very tough tutorial boss. Oh, yes. Mm. Moving on, Keen Havoc comes in with not really a level, but exploring the hell biome in Terraria Mobile is crazy tough. Everything is covered in magma. Demons and hellbats are randomly spawning in, on, in the edges of your screen, and slaying demons will make them drop an item that if it hits or lands in the magma will trigger the wall of flesh boss fight, whether you're ready or not. Because everybody loves surprise boss battles. I I know exactly what he's talking about with this. Yeah, the uh, Terraria, the first time you're in the hell level, if you don't know that the uh, the wall of flesh can be triggered by a specific item that drops from enemies, if that item touches the lava, it will happen. And if you're not expecting it, oh, bend over. Because <laughs> it will make you shit yourself. That is a legit boss battle. Always a good time. Always a good time. Yeah, I remember the first time I played through Terraria, the first time I got to that point, it was uh, it was a thing that happened. <laughs> and finally, finishing us off is Cosmic Psycho 
with the Water Temple and Ocarina of Time. So many hours, so many breaks, but that Ruto, though. Yes, another one I can personally relate to. Like, Millennium can vouch for this. I have memorized Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 100% backwards and forwards. I could tell you any point in that game what you need to do and where you need to go. Even I still get confused in the Water Temple sometimes. <laughs> That's awesome. That dungeon is so unbelievably confusing and confounding. And, like, you have to revisit the same places multiple times with different water levels. And uh, you have to constantly be adjusting the water and, you know, in order to unlock new paths and get the uh, the dungeon item. And it is legitimately a nightmare. I hate that place so much. Like, I can usually do it in one uh, setting, but there are some parts where I'll have to stop and kind of, like, think through, you know, the different steps in order to remember where I was supposed to go next. Because that place is just terrible. <laughs> Very much so. What is your, uh, you know, most hated level frustrating uh, level yes uh so no surprise to anyone uh dark souls one and orlando specifically the boss fight of an orlando but just in orlando just in orlando in general like in any souls game any area that ends in londo i usually hate yeah <laughs> an uh, orlando and then also the new londo ruins even though they're not quite as bad but yeah and Orlando, man, that place, like, I was stuck on there for way too long. And it's like, you can vouch for that, because half the time I would be in your oh, room, yeah. we would be watching anime, and I would be going through this boss battle over and, and over and over and over, over, and, over and again. That's the one with the dual dudes. Yes, it yeah. was, uh, it's Orberg and Smo, I believe. No, Ornstein and Smo. Ornstein and Smo are the two bosses. And it's like, you're focusing on one. And the when other you focus is more on than one, the other is more than <coughs> welcome to come up behind you. Yeah, the other one, ass. when you're focusing on one, the other is more than happy to try the backsider routine. Exactly. They like to do the backsider thing. Oh, yes. And they are both wicked fast as well. And, you know, when you take one down, all of a sudden you're entered into phase two, where the second one becomes more powerful and also gets all of his health back. Whichever one you take down, the second one will become superpowered because of it. And it's just like, oh my god. It's like, when I finally got past that fight, you know, a couple weeks back, that was just, like, one of the monumental moments of Dark Souls for me. No, no, what happened was, as soon as you, you beat it, you were like, okay, I gotta save right now. I gotta save right now. Like, where is a bonfire? It's like, go. I need to do this. Oh, god. Yes. Uh, for myself, I, I've had an exorbitant amount of time to think about it, and I can't really come up with one that's like super frustrating. I, I, at first, I thought maybe the... Um, I forget the name of the level itself, but in Halo, there was the one that kept on going library, the library. But that wasn't really so much frustrating as it was just never-ending. Uh, it went on for far too long. Yeah. So I don't really think that was... Uh, the right way to put it. I think for frustrating levels, um, the only thing that I can come to my mind that after thinking about it for as long as I have, the only thing I could really come up with was Final Fantasy X. Uh, it was, I forget which temple it was. It might have been the first temple, but there was a specific temple where you had to do this weird puzzle thing where you had to start moving the, you had to rotate the stones around and push them around. And then yeah, I do, do remember this other that. Nonsense. It's just like puzzles like that always, 
I like I I had to look it up because it's like I this is this is insane. Yeah, you're not good with abstract puzzles. You're better with like logic based puzzles. Whereas I'm the complete opposite. I can do abstract puzzles very easily, but logic based ones I struggle with. So we kind of like help each other out in that case. But yeah, I know exactly the area you're talking about. That place is can be a pain if you don't know what you're doing with it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that is all for the forums. Yep. We have a forum for uh, next time. Um, maybe. Maybe. Oh, that's interesting. I had my email up. Google uh, auto no. <laughs> auto logged me out for reasons unknown. Hold on a moment. Please stand by. Oh yeah, we do have a forum idea, don't we? Yes, we do. All right, hold on a second. It's a good thing you emailed this to me because otherwise we probably would have forgotten by now. Yes. Very much so. So, uh, uh, yeah, this was a uh, an idea that Vale told me over Skype that I then was, you know, smart enough to write down and send to you so we had it and didn't forget about it. So, uh, this week's forum submitted by Valerith is, given that YouTube is now a big part of the media we consume, what do you think needs to be done or changed to protect channels from claims stemming from copyright claim abuse and other false accusations. Yes. Uh, Dad, one would say is past due. <laughs> yeah. I believe the one that would say it was past due would be uh, Jim Sterling. Yes. <laughs> With his, uh, what was it, copyright deadlock, he yeah. called it? Yeah. Well, that's, that's something differently or... entirely because... Uh, I know, but it's kind of like along the same vein of, you know, getting a claim and then it's like, okay, making... Melt multiple no. people fight What Vale is talking about here is copyright claim abuse yeah. and false accusations, mm. the way have you. You know, the digital homicides doing oh, DMCA's yeah, yeah, yeah. because of copyright, even though it's just silencing criticism. Mm-hmm. You know, and the part the part that about it that I'll be irritated by is, you know, we should save it for the when we go over the forum, but it's just, you know, the difference between, you know, a big channel like Jim Sterling and someone who's just, you know, someone like myself who only has a couple hundred subscribers, mm-hmm. YouTube probably wouldn't even give you the time of day. Yep. But I digress. That's gonna be the forum we're gonna have to wording as always. We'll I'll put probably that just up. copy paste it from yeah, here. <laughs> that works good too. And uh that's all we have for that, unless you have anything. No, I don't think so. I don't think so either. So, first looks? First looks. Uh, grab your popcorn and buckle in because these are probably going to be long. Mm. <laughs> important question. Who wants to go first? That's not the important question. The important question is how much salt and butter is on this popcorn you speak of? Hmm. Probably a lot. Mm, alrighty then. Preferably you... more butter, less salt. <laughs> more butter, less salt. That's how I like popcorn. Like, our mother likes to load popcorn with a lot of salt, and I'm just like, eh. Like, I really like salt, but for me personally, it's like I like to have more butter and then go a little shy on the salt. That makes it perfect for me, but, uh, yes. God damn it, now I want popcorn. I know, same here. <laughs> but you're the one who brought it up first and foremost, so. Yep. We'll make that later. Hello, VGP. It is Millennium coming in with some post-podcast commentary. I wanted to squeeze this in before we got to the first looks, uh, specifically to warn everyone. This is, these are excessively rambly. And uh, I think Dark God made sense. Dark God tells me that I made sense during my first look. Uh, however, we ourselves don't think so. Uh, kind of ramble without focus during mine. 
Dark God is slightly more on point. Ultimately, at the end of the day, we're trying to explain two open-world RPGs that have a lot going on at the same time, and it was just hard to put my finger on exactly what I what needed to be explained and in what order because it's it, these types of games are open world to an extent where you can the order that you play it in is different from the way dark god would play it is different from the way that i would play it and it makes it very difficult to explain it without spoiling the story which is what we're trying to do so hopefully during the next show we can come back with second looks or reviews and be able to more thoroughly explain it uh but during what we're about to hear now it's uh not so much the case so let's get there. You want to go first? Sure, I can do that. Alrighty then. Do you want this or do you want your WordPad document that you typed up? Uh, probably both. Oh yeah. Yes. You could switch between the two of them. Yeah, yeah. So what are you doing? Alrighty, yes. So no surprise to anybody, this is going to be a first look on the Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild for Wii U. Make note of that. Not Switch. Wii U. Unless someone wants to buy us a Switch. Unless someone wants to buy us a Switch. And a copy of Zelda as well. uh, Then, by all means. So, yeah. I got this game uh, last Saturday, I believe. And I have been playing it pretty much nonstop ever since. It is legitimately awesome. This is probably the best Zelda game they've ever come out with, in my personal opinion. And I don't say that lightly, because Millennium Continue, I love Zelda games. Like, I have played pretty much every entry in the series thus far, except for Skyward Sword, because, you know, fuck motion controls. Yeah. But we'll get back to that later. We'll be there. We'll be there. So, yes. Uh, This is actually, like, the first time in a while where I've actually had to type up a WordPad document of bullet points, just so I don't forget different aspects I wanted to say. So, just going down the list in no particular order, these are just thoughts that I gathered as I was playing it. Uh, First and foremost, the map is fucking huge. Like, this map is legit. I have been playing it pretty much nonstop since this past Saturday. It is now Thursday. I have probably unlocked maybe 30% of the overall world map and have probably explored not even a tenth of each area. So, yeah... It's one of those things where it's kind of like Skyrim, where you get out into the world, and then it's like, okay, there's so much I could possibly be doing, what should I do first? It's like, there was a point when I was first starting out in the tutorial area, that I actually, like, almost felt overwhelmed, because there were so many options of where to go, what to do, what to look at, what to explore, like, you could go in endless directions, and, you know, make your way around the map in endless ways. You know, just picking up random items, exploring, seeing the scenery, you know, finding items, finding weapons, all sorts. Like, this map is legitimately massive. Uh, So far from what I've seen, the six main races included in this game are the Hylians, the Zora, the Goron, the Gyarado, the Rito, and the Korok. And it's a little bit weird because, like, anyone who knows Zelda lore really well will... Notice what I noticed in that the Rito and the Zora being in the same place is very confusing. Because according to Wind Waker, I don't remember if it was specifically said or if it was just heavily implied. But my understanding of Zelda lore is that the Rito evolved from the Zora. Like the Zora actually left the ocean over, 
you know, several thousand years and turned into the Rito, you know, the bird people. And so in this game, you have Rito and Zora existing at the same time. And it's a little bit awkward, like not overly, but it's just kind of weird how they chose to include both of them rather than one or the other. But eh, okay, eh, that's the thing that's included, I guess. Uh, you have no partner in this iteration of the game. Link is completely by himself 99% of the time, you know, unless you're in a town or unless you just come across a random traveler out in the wilderness. And uh, speaking of being out in the wilderness, it is a little bit strange in this game. Uh, when you're just exploring the fields or exploring the forest, there's very little music in the background. Like, normally in the Zelda game, when you're just out you know in Hyrule Field or whatever you have like a very iconic song playing in the background in this case it's there's really not a whole lot of that there is sometimes but overall you just kind of like hear the sounds of your own motion like you'll hear the grass swing like you'll hear you know his footsteps you'll hear the sounds of monsters but there's no real music to speak of so it's a little bit weird it's a little bit quiet a lot of the time you know, a lot of time I'll just, like, put, you know, songs on my own laptop just to kind of fill the void a bit. But it is an interesting design choice that I decided not to include that. But, yeah. When you're out in the world, you can just randomly come across different types of weapons that Link can use. You are not restricted to just using a sword, as you are in most Zelda games. Uh, and they included a wide, wide variety of weapons that you can use in this game. You have weapons, bows, and shields are your main equipment. And You mean swords? Swords, bows, and shields? No, weapons, bows, and shields. That's why I'm saying you're not restricted to having just a sword. Right. You can find halberds, you can find claymores, you can find double-sided axes, you can find single-sided axes, you can find swords, boomerangs, clubs. You name it, it's probably in this game somewhere. They have included oh, almost right. every type of melee weapon you can think of. Your your wording on the on the note on the word pad thing in front of me is a little confusing. Yeah, that's why I said wide variety of weapons. All right, right, right. It makes sense to you, but I didn't write it up. Yes. Well, that's why you should let me explain and then ask your questions. You short shorthand speeched it on the word pad document. Yeah. These are just notes. Like I know when I be speeching, right? Wait till yeah, well, I get at least through my some, some of us do. Wait till I get through my thought, and then you know, ask your questions if it makes sense or not. Yes, there is a wide variety of weapons that you can use, not just swords. There are swords available to you if you so choose to use them, but there's so much more than that as well. Like the first time I came across a halberd in this game, I was floored because halberds are, you know, my favorite melee weapon of all time. And it's just, I was just like, no way, are you kidding me right now? And just like, there's so many different types of weapons available to you that you just find out in the world, or that you can steal from uh, enemies that you can then use to your own advantage. Yes. I was just wondering, uh, can Link do one of those uh, 360 no-scope ladder jump YYs? Yes. Okay, great. 10 out of 10, best <laughs> game ever. Yes. Is that all you were wondering? I yeah, just noticed, like, like, out of the corner of my eye, all I could see was him sat there with, like, this massive grin on his face, and I was like, You're talking what? about, there's so many weapons. I'm thinking, come on now. <laughs> that would be funny. Yes, I went there. Do I have to duct tape you to the chair again? <laughs> it wouldn't hurt. You Big were hurt. saying? Big idea. No promises. 
Yeah, there's, uh, in, you know, in addition to the melee weapons, there's also bows that you acquire very early on in the game. That's your, obviously, ranged weapon. Um, and then shields, so you can also pick up from enemies or just randomly finding them throughout the world. And, you know, finding them in chests or whatever. And uh, one thing that's really interesting in this game as well is that weapons, bows, and shields all break very, very quickly. You cannot really get attached to any one weapon. You are constantly swapping out for new gear because when you use your gear to a certain extent, it just shatters in your hand. So you always have to have a lot of backup weapons on your person and also just, you know, keep picking up new things as you find them because you will not be sticking with one item for a long period of time. Does this include, like, rare or, like, legendary type weapons? I'm not sure. So far, the only, like, weapon I can think of that would have that status is the Master Sword, which I have yet to acquire in the game. I know where it is, but I don't have the requirements to actually take it yet. But uh, there are certain weapons that you can pick up that have, like, high durability or, you know, different things added to them. Can you repair weapons, you know, uh, when, after they've been used for so many times? Um, Only special weapons, from what I've seen. Like, there's a... Uh, there's one weapon that you get from the Zoras that is considered like a specialized weapon that when it breaks, you can then go back to them. And if you have the appropriate materials on you, you can talk to one of them and they will build you a new one sort of thing. But as far as I can tell, there is no way to repair normal weapons. All right, because that would suck if you got a legendary weapon and it wouldn't be able to, you know, like the Master Sword. I oh, know. you broke the Master Sword. I oh, know. well. It's like, it's well... Like, <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, I wouldn't think so, but I've yet to get far enough into it to determine one way or the other. All right. To be continued on that front. To be continued on so that front. So an interesting point that I would like to figure out on. Yeah, that is an interesting thought. I don't know one way or the other. Like I said, I wouldn't think so, but we'll see. So, yes. Another big change that they've made to the Zelda formula is that they have removed dungeon weapons. And by that, I mean... In past Zelda games, you would go into a dungeon and you would get a unique item or weapon that would really only be used in that specific dungeon, and then you could like use it occasionally later on in the game. But for the most part, things are just kind of restricted to their own dungeons, and you know the dungeon's built around a certain mechanic. That has been completely removed. Instead, you have the uh, the Shikia Slate, which is a small device that you receive the second you wake up in this game that can store different abilities you know you can have bombs you can have uh, magnetism you can have basically the equivalent of like the ice rod and the uh i think of the other one is called but it's like the time manipulation one or is it tying to other games we'll get there in a minute okay but uh yeah all of those uh normal like dungeon items have been removed and they're all like stored in your shakiest light now which is interesting as well because this gives you infinite bombs that you know there's a small waiting period between when you can use them but you are never going to run out of bombs with this new system so that definitely works and it also removes the uh the whole thing of like you know you get this item and then you only use it for one dungeon and then completely forget that it, it exists so, definitely very interesting. They've made a lot of small improvements to the traditional Zelda formula, and they've definitely, like, really put a lot of thought into the new mechanics and the new way you do different things in this game. Uh, to answer Zaldera's question, Zaldera in the chat asks, So what is the story of Breath of the Wild, and how does it tie into the other games? 
Uh, the story of Breath of the Wild is, you know, obviously, spoiler alert, if you don't want to listen in on this, then, you know, skip out for a couple minutes. Basically, in a nutshell, uh, Link wakes up in a cave, and he has no memory of, like, how he got there or anything that happened leading up to that point. And as you go through, you find out that you've been asleep for 100 years, and what happened, basically, is that Ganon attacked you and, you know, attacked Zelda and attacked her guards. And you were very badly injured, and the only way they could really, like, save your life was to put you into this deep sleep and heal you that way. And, uh, you know, a hundred years pass, everything went to shit, basically, and now you are kind of trying to regain your lost memories, trying to piece together exactly what happened, and, like, what happened to you, what happened to Zelda, what happened to your friends back in the day. Like, you'll meet certain NPCs along the way who'll be like, oh yeah, I remember you from, you know... Yeah, they are, and it's like, do you remember me? And your response will basically be like, no, who are you? And then they'll, like, you know, react in turn. But uh, you're just kind of, like, trying to restore your lost memories and, you know, gather up all of these materials and things in order to ultimately take on Ganon again and, you know, try to make things go better than they did last time. And as far as how it ties into other games, there hasn't really been too much concrete evidence, but from what I've gathered so far, it seems to tie in very closely with the lore of Wind Waker and Twilight Princess. I was going to say, there's a lot of internet theories on this as well. There's a lot of internet theories on this as well. Uh, Wind Waker and Twilight Princess, a lot of things from those games are, like, you kind of get the sense of, you know, the lore in this game kind of ties back to certain events or certain locations. Like, for example, there is one location in this game that looks identical to Elden Bridge from Twilight Princess. It has a new name now, but I'm like, I saw it immediately and I was just like, that's the bridge from Twilight Princess. Like, I recognized it immediately, but you know, it has a new, a new name and all that. And of course, it's been a hundred years since you were last awake, if you are even, you know, that same version of Link. But, uh, so yeah, there's a lot of theories, a lot of speculation, a lot of subtle hints dropped about, you know, which uh, games it kind of ties back to. A lot of it is kind of, like, more implied than actually specifically said. And, you know, the theory mill is already going 100 miles an hour on that front. So, yeah. Yeah, it definitely does tie back to some of the other games, but just in kind of an ambiguous way, where you kind of have to, like, you know, put pieces together of different dialogue trees and be like, okay, so, you know, this thing is kind of relating back to this other thing that happened from Wind Waker or, you know, from Twilight Princess or there's even a couple things from Skyward Sword that I've noticed as well. And uh, so, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to delve more deeply into that front. But, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I remembered where you left off. I was waiting for that. Thank you. I was waiting for that moment. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, you upgrade your Shikia Slate by going through what is called Shrine Challenges. And just for the record, Dark God lost her place on her massive WordPad document. I did. Which is right there. I know. Thank you. I have my moments. <laughs> you do have your moments. So, yeah, you have shrines that are small uh, areas that appear throughout the whole of the map. There are several per uh, unlockable area that you go to, and they're not so much like, they're not dungeons in the way that you would normally think of, like a Zelda dungeon. They're more like little mini challenges where they normally only have between one and three rooms in them, and you have to use your uh, Sheikah's Light powers in order to kind of navigate through simple puzzles. Well, some of them are simple, some of them not so much. 
and at the end of each challenge, you are rewarded with what is called a spirit orb. And when you collect four spirit orbs, you have the option of upgrading either your health or stamina by going to a uh, these different statues that are throughout the land. And uh, yeah, here's a little mini rant that I'm sure a lot of people who have been playing on the Wii U version and also the Switch have probably ranted about as well at one point or another. Uh, fuck motion controls was basically what I'm trying to say. There are... I have encountered two of them. I've told them... I've been told that there are about two more in the game. So more or less four or five uh, shrines that the puzzles included require you to use the tablet in order to kind of motion control manipulate a puzzle in order to like, you know, uh, like bring a ball through a maze into a specific place sort of situation or like, you know, you have to swing something back and forth. Problem being that, like, I don't know if this is just my Wii U gamepad or if it's, you know, an actual problem in the configuration of the game, but the puzzle never really wants to move quite the way that I am moving the tablet, which becomes very frustrating and very annoying in a very, very quick hurry. So I pretty much kind of skipped over those shrines and I don't know if I'll even be going back to them at any point or not, but, uh, yeah, again, Nintendo and their motion control nonsense, just drop it already, Jesus they Christ. They can't get over it, they gotta, it's a thing, no really. It is a thing, and it's a thing that nobody wants. But it's in their mind, though. And in, in their mind, everyone wants this, no, God no, like, these puzzles are not hard, like, I already know what I need to do for most of them, but I just can't do it because the... Uh, the way I'm moving the tablet is not translating to what is being shown on screen. And so it just becomes so frustrating to try to do that. Like, if I could do these puzzles with the analog sticks, I would probably have already done them by now. But, uh, yeah. So, fuck motion controls, always. Just why? And I'm glad that there's only, you know, a handful of shrines that require this, but Jesus Christ, Nintendo, just drop it. Like, really? <laughs> Just nobody Again, wants if this. if there's any reason why the Switch mo will, will be lagging behind in sales in the United States, it's because, again, motion controls. Motion People controls. People don't want to, you know, flail about in order to control a video game when you could just as easily do it by moving a, a dual analog stick, whoop, and that's it. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, another really significant change that they've made to the Zelda formula is that there are no bottles in this game that you need to collect. Basically, you can now just, you know, carry shit on your person, and it will just stack in your bag. And you don't have to faff around with trying to, you know, find bottles and try to, you know, juggle what bottle needs to go to what, you know, for, like, fairies or other items or other collectibles. No, you can just collect them and put them in your bag and be on your way. So that is actually really huge and I'm so glad to see a complete overhaul of that system because normally in Zelda games you only have like five bottles that you can collect and therefore that's how many like items you can carry on you at any one point in time. <laughs> nice fail. But yeah. Uh, another thing that they have completely overhauled in this game is that there are I can't say that there are no potions in this game, because there are, but there are for very specific things. For the most part, in order to revive your health or stamina, you now have to actually, like, 
go out into the wilderness and hunt animals and find like mushrooms and seeds and nuts and flowers and all sorts and actually like cook food for yourself and depending on like the quality of ingredients you have or the uh, certain certain effects that items have that you can throw into dishes they can have a wide range of effects like some of them can help with your cold resistance some can help with your heat resistance some can help with like they can give you extra hearts or extra stamina or just like a wide wide range of effects that you can get and then through the same cooking process, you can also create your own potions that can, like, you know, up your speed, up your stamina, up your uh, attack, up your defense, things of that nature. So it is really, really interesting how you can kind of, like, mix and match different ingredients and try to experiment and try to get different things, you know, out of it. So that is interesting. Uh, they've improved the stamina meter from Skyward Sword, like... I think it's improved. Other people I've been reading online think that it's worse than the one in Skyward Sword. But from my personal experience, from when I played Skyward Sword, that stamina meter versus the stamina meter in Breath of the Wild, they've definitely refined it to a certain degree. Where it's like it doesn't go down nearly as fast. And also when you're not moving, it does not go down at all. Which is huge. Because, like, you know, sometimes you'll be climbing up something and then, you know, you'll hear a cat fighting in the background or hear a cat barfing in the background I have to put it down real quick and that won't you know drain your stamina meter or just you know you won't you know plummet to your death at that point that's a very specific example I know Did something happened uh maybe multiple times <laughs> interesting interesting yes or you know whatever it is that you need to do in a quick hurry that uh requires you to put the game down for a little bit yeah, the other thing that's really interesting about when you're out in the overworld now, the weather will randomly cycle through different states of being between sunny, windy, cloudy, light rain, heavy rain, and thunderstorms. I have not observed any snow-related weather yet, but maybe I just haven't gotten uh, to that I would point. imagine as soon as you, you've been down in like a valley yeah, field yeah. type, as soon as you get up onto a mountain, that might change. Yeah, it might. Like there might be snow. Uh, related weather in this game i'm not 100 percent sure yet one way or the other but these are the ones that i've observed and weather actually changes the gameplay in significant ways especially the rain the rain i think has the most uh, impact on how you play the game is that a small detail that actually stuns me when i first found out about it is that when it is raining it is actually harder for link to climb up items or you know climb up uh environments because the, you know, rocks or whatever you're climbing on are, you know, wet and slippery. And so you will actually be climbing and then he'll slip and, you know, lose his footing and fall down a couple feet. Which will negatively affect your stamina as well. So it's like, it's a really interesting, like, very small detail they decided to add in for that. And uh, the other one that you have to really watch out for is thunderstorms. Uh, lightning will strike the ground very frequently, normally in your immediate vicinity. And during a thunderstorm, you also have to unequip any metallic weapons, bows, or shields because they will attract the electricity and you will get hit by lightning and you will die. So that is something you definitely need to keep a close eye on. Uh, lightning strikes can also damage things in the environment, like they'll knock trees over, they'll, you know, uproot boulders, you know, stuff like that. They'll actually set the grass on fire if you're in, like, a grassy field. The grass will actually go up in flame and then be extinguished by the rain. 
So it's actually kind of scary being out in the field during a uh, a really bad lightning storm. And once again, if it hits you, you know, if it either hits you randomly or if you are carrying something metallic on your person, it is almost guaranteed to be a one-hit KO. So just be wary of that. Uh, one downside with this, though, is something that I've noticed that is kind of annoying is that rain will often happen at, like, the most inconvenient time. Like, you'll either be, like, halfway up a mountain or, like, climbing, you know, trying to climb something, and then the rain will happen and you'll just slide back down to the bottom. And then you'll just kind of have to, like, sit there and wait and wait and wait and wait for it to pass. And it's just, I don't know, it just kind of feels like it lasts way too long sometimes, especially when a lot of this game requires you to climb up different items. But, uh, so I think that's, like, the one downside with the weather is something to be wary of. Uh, another interesting change that has happened here is that in normal gameplay, you do not actually have access to Epona. Epona can be unlocked if you use the, I believe, Super Smash Bros. Link Amiibo is what unlocks Epona in this game. But you do have access to normal, uh, mounts. You actually have to... Go out in the field, find a herd of wild horses, choose one of them, sneak up behind it, jump on its back, and actually, like, physically tame the wild horse. And then that will become your mount of choice for a little while. You have to bring it back to a stable and register it so it will follow you around. And in that case, you also get a uh, saddle and reins and all that. And the horse will have, then gain the ability to come to you when you call it. But uh, you can actually have up to five horses in this game, and they all have distinct personalities, uh, stats, markings, colors, you know, just a wide variety of different horses to choose from. I've been told that patterned horses, like, you know, paint styles or horses with distinct markings are easier to tame, and horses that are all one color are harder to tame, but also have better stats, is how it's been explained to me. But uh, it is interesting because, like, you know, you can just randomly find either, like, a really good horse or, like, a really bad horse. And, you know, you have to kind of make a decision on which ones you want to register. You can have up to five at any point in time. I don't know specifically what happens when you have five and then try to register another one. I don't know if you can then choose which one you want to swap let go, out for. Yeah. Like, I, have, I think I have four horses on here right now. I haven't actually gotten to the point where I can you know, experiment with what happens with choosing which one to let go. But uh, it is definitely interesting how they decided not to just give you Epona, because, you know, in past Zelda games, she's the only horse that you have. And, you know, that's the only amount that you get throughout the game. This one, you can just choose whichever one you so uh, desire to make your horse. One thing to be wary of, though, is that horses can die in this game. And if your horse gets killed either in battle or by, you know, some kind of a random, like, lightning strike or whatever happens, if your horse dies, your horse is dead. And there is nothing you can do about it. Actually, I shouldn't say there's nothing. There is one thing you can do about it. I don't know specifically where on the map this is. I've been told that there is a location in the world somewhere where you can actually go to revive a dead horse. But I've been told that it is a very expensive process in order to do so. So, like, if you're super attached to one thing and you really want to get it back, there is that option. But I've been told that you need to pay, like, a thousand rupees or something in order to revive one horse. 
So, uh, yeah, just be wary about that if you're just out in the field riding around and happen to get into, like, a battle situation, like, with a guardian or with other enemy types. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fanto, that was great. That was good, Fanto. That was good. So, yeah, just something to be uh, wary of when you're out in the field. So, yes. Okay, we're actually getting to the end of the list now. Yeah, we're down to the bottom we're here. We're down this to the bottom here, then. yes. I think and there's four more bullet points left. Yes. And the uh, damage taken from extreme heat or extreme cold when not wearing protective clothing is a significant concern. Either if you're in a volcanic area or in a snowy area, Link will actually begin to lose health very quickly. Uh, you can mend this by either eating certain foods that have like either heat-resistant or cold-resistant properties or by gaining specific armor types that can resist heat and cold. But if you don't have that and you get into one of those areas, you're going to want to make a quick exit because his health drops very quickly at that point. And uh, so, yeah, that's all. These are just like random things that I've come across throughout my playthrough of the game. This is barely scratching the surface, though. Like, the amount of detail and thought that went into this game is immense. Like, it is honestly mind blowing how detailed this game is at certain times like certain uh things like with the with the rain making things slippery so you can't climb on them like i would never have guessed that something like that would be included in a game like this so it's really good stuff there are only a handful of uh, bugs and glitches i've come across so far is that uh one of the first ones i came across was that in sunny weather once in a while when you're moving through the grass, you'll notice the grass will kind of start like tweaking out a bit because like the sunlight and the shadows and you moving the grass at the same time will kind of like make it just start freaking out for no apparent reason. Like, that's just like well, a minor the, graphical the, thing, but... There is a reason. The reason is it's on the Wii U. Mm, yes, that must be it. And uh, there was one point in time where I actually got stuck in a wall because I got pinned between a boulder and the side of a cliff. And I could not get out for the life of me. And I actually had to fast travel back to the location I just was in order to get out of there. Because otherwise, I'm, like, there was nothing I could do about that. It was either like set a bomb off and kill yourself or fast travel. But So that was fun. So I was literally like half into the ground. Just kind of struggling to get out, and it, it just it didn't happen. And uh, sometimes you'll notice a uh, frame drop when there's like a lot of monsters on screen, when there's heavy rain, when there's like heavy fog, uh, when there's like a lot going on on screen, there will be noticeable frame drops. It doesn't happen too too often, but it happens like often enough that you will notice it when it does happen. And uh, those are really the only like bugs I've come across so far in my playthrough. Uh, right now, like I said earlier in the episode, I'm probably about 30% through not only the game, but just filling in the map. And, like, I probably explored, like, less than 20% of each area of the map itself. Because it's just, like, there's so much to do. It's like, okay, you can either go to where the mission objective is, or you can, you know, explore, oh, hey, what's that on the horizon? Oh, hey, what's this settlement? You know, oh, what's this, uh, like, random structure that I came across? And it's like, you could go in a million different directions in this game and probably never see everything that this game has to offer. Like, it is honestly mind-blowing how just the sheer scale of everything. Oh, my God, my voice is shot. You want to take over? <laughs> Hey, did we finally did we finally uh, exhaust all the words you had? 
like I said, this is barely scratching the surface of what this game has to offer. But, uh, yeah, there was no way I could talk about every small detail ah. that change, every thing that is going on in this game. Like, this game is awesome, and I highly, highly recommend people pick it up and try it for themselves. Mm, most certainly. So your first look on Breath of the Wild is a strong thumbs up? That's about it, yep. Alrighty then. Is there anything else, or are we good? I need that, some tea. <laughs> that first look had a lot of beef on it. <laughs> it did. Most certainly. Oh, yeah. Over the last several days, I have been playing another game that, conveniently enough, came out within five days of Zelda. <laughs> because, of course, timing is everything. Timing is everything. This is a Sony PlayStation 4 exclusive developed by Guerrilla Games, published by Sony. Some people may have heard of it. It's called Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm. A very interesting game that I, I... I have a lot to say about this, and unlike Dark God, obviously I'm not as smart as Dark God, <laughs> I don't have a WordPad document to go bullet point by bullet point, so this one will be a little bit more rambly and a lot more... Uh, oh, I don't know. I got pretty rambly in there. Yeah, you were on point. You kept it rolling, though, so... There's a lot of things I'd like to say about this game, but I don't know where specifically to start because it's an interesting situation. Uh, first off, it is a PlayStation 4 exclusive. Uh, it's getting a lot. Now, Zelda's getting a lot of 9s and 10s, mostly 10s uh, and 9.5s, but mostly 10s. Mm -hmm. This game is getting a lot of 9s across the board. And what I got to really say is I can't really say that they're entirely wrong but at the same time i really want to you know cool the jets of a lot of the playstation fanboys <laughs> they're talking like this is the next big thing it's the greatest thing that's ever happened they've revolutionized the open world genre and all i can do is sit there and think about it and go eh, not really you know, it's a good game. It is fun. It is a very hard game. On the higher difficulties, this game would be brutal. <laughs> uh, so, you, you know, your main character, Aloy, takes damage a lot. And if you're, if you, like, that's the thing. You could play, it's a kind of an open world type of game where you can play it however you want. But I can't imagine running into a situation, guns blazing in quotes, uh, because just simply put your out gun. Obviously, if you're fighting mechanized dinosaurs, it would make sense that you're kind of, you know, at a disadvantage. So there's a there's a lot of pluses I like about this game. There's a lot of negatives that are interfering with me having fun with the game, which makes it sound worse than it is. I'm having fun with it. It's starting to catch me. Uh, but early on, there's minor frustrations that just kind of, yeah, great uh, on you over time. It's just, you know, little things. So... Horizon Zero Dawn, open world, third person, action, adventure, you know, the whole nine yards, word soup. It's trying to be everything at once. The interesting concept of this game, though, is that, you know, it's a future world that's been ruined by an apocalypse of unknown origins. And people have gone back to caveman times and you're... You know, in, in this world, you have to you break out and try to figure out what is there's a certain, you know, I'm not going to really get into the story so much so, which is kind of a shame because it's the biggest catch of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. How it goes through this, though, is like, OK, future world. You don't know how far in the future there was an apocalypse of some sort. 
and you're trying to f- get to the bottom of a certain mystery for the main character, which who is whose name her name is Aloy. Um, first off, the naming conventions in this game are a little like your your guardian is called Rost, Rust. Yeah. And 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 her name is Aloy, which Alloy. Yeah. Again, you're like really, you don't want to go there. <laughs> like right at the beginning, I caught that immediately. I'm like really, okay, whatever. But again, I. Uh, as you were, you know, the map again, just like Zelda, huge. The map is huge. I've been through probably twenty percent of the map. I've seen not much more. You know, I haven't really seen much of that said twenty percent. And there's a whole lot more to go for. And like, I've gotten out of the tutorial area and I'm in the next area, but I'm not even really so much so in the per se open world vicinity of the of the, uh, the entire overworld yet. There's still so much to explore in this game. It's not even funny. So a lot of the things about this game that are kind of like where where I kind of want to cool the jets of a lot of the fanboyisms that are going around saying it's the next greatest thing ever and it's totally revolutionized it's really not it's a solid well-built game that functions and plays well uh but at the same time it also copies a lot of mechanics and items you've seen elsewhere you save at a bonfire <laughs> I've never seen that one before. No, never. What are you talking about? You know, you, you use a bow and arrow. You use rocks to distract enemies. Mm. We've never seen that before, Tomb Raider. No, of course not. You know, it's a, 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 a an advanced civilization that led itself to an apocalyptic event. We've never seen that before. Again, Fallout. Then there's a lot of Far Cry. There's Skyrim. There's Witcher in this. Like, there's so many different mechanics that they grab from every little direction, and they refine some and they don't refine others. It's 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 a little bit hit or miss in that regard, but it's it's an amalgamation of a lot of different things, and it's like it's kind of an interesting quandary that's gone through my mind recently. Is what is like, is it better to do? one thing new or is it better to take a lot of other you know aspects of other games and make them better you know it's like yeah, mm, yeah. i'm not sure which would i would rather see because it's definitely not new and original that's the big thing i get across for the quell the fanboys this is not new and original yes it's a new game it's a new ip it's got a very interesting story but it is not new and original in a sense of gameplays especially so there's a lot of that going around. It's uh, a lot of things to take in all at once. The big thing with me, though, is there's something, and I can't quite put my finger on it, but there's something preventing me from having you know, a great amount of fun with this game. Like, I'm interested and I want to keep going, but there's weird things. Like, between the caveman-type aspect of where how a lot of the tribe... The tribe you start with is uh, called the Nora tribe. Uh, and as the story goes, the, at least the initial elevator pitch for the story is that Aloy for reasons not told at the beginning of the game was uh, sent into uh, egg is not exile but sent as an outcast and outcasts are to be shunned she lives with Ross another outcast and the tribe kind of shuns her so the Nora tribe has shunned her from from her birth so she's kind of been a loner the whole life not by choice either as the opening sequences show you and the whole time she's she's training with Ross to lead up to the uh, what the tribe is called the proving, which is the tribe's way of finding out which what what its warriors are, and uh, she wants to win the proving, and the whole thing is like so, it's uh, it's an interesting setup and it goes in interesting directions. Again, I'm not gonna really get into a heavy amount of spoilers. It's a couple hours into the game, but at the same time, it's 
it's well enough done well enough that I'm interested in it. There's a lot to do with the exploration. There's a lot of different variants and different dinosaur monsters you can come across. Each one keeps seems to get keep getting bigger and more aggressive. There's a there's a catch in the middle of the plot or early on in the plot where all of a sudden there's this new uh, uh, bandits that are showing up that can actually start to override and control machinery. And as you go explore the overworld, you tend to find different audio logs or text logs of from the old ones. They call the old civilization the old ones. And it's uh, you start to piece together weird like little bits where certain times you'll go through an area and it'll be like an overgrown, overgrown like city type center where you'll see skyscrapers and stoplights and there will be a car that's, you know, overgrown and what have you. And it's like certain times you'll, you sometimes they'll be specific like that and other times there'll be certain hidden cave infrastructure things that will be very ambiguous as to what it was or what it was doing there. Uh, sometimes you might think it's, was this a hospital? Was this a military base? It's, it's kind of very, so was it a prison? You're not really sure. They're very ambiguous with certain aspects of how they want to lead you along. They don't want to tell too much, but it's like, as far as the Nor tribe are concerned, these, these caves that have all this old, old technology from the old ones, well, the tech, they, uh, that, that's what led to ruin of the world. So it's, it's, it's to be shunned. You're not supposed to go there. And it's, uh, it's, uh, off limits to the tribe and what have you. It's just kind of weird the way the tribe treats the technology, how it's, you know, oh, it's a bad thing. It must be a bad thing. We must praise all mother for, you know, and pray to the mountain and what have you. And it's just that kind of whole thinking was just kind of like off putting to me. It's like a little bit weird, especially when you get into this section where they're, they're, they're downplaying the main character Aloy because she's an outcast for reasons that are entirely superfluous. It's just very weird. Mm hmm. Again, there's varied amounts of weapons in the game. Like you can have, uh, there's a slingshot that throws out uh, bombs that have elemental effects. There's bow and arrows. There's a couple different types of bow and arrows. There's a standard one. There's one that has uh, long, long shot type, like a uh, sniper rifle in quotes, barrel bow and arrow one. There's uh, several other ones. You also have a spear on you. Different uh, methods to uh, attack different enemies with. Uh, the interesting thing with, with me though is that I tend to take a slower stealth approach. And the one of the things that's kind of weird to me is like, unlike, say, Skyrim, when you have your sneak skill high enough and you crouch down and you go into sneak and it, you know, it closes your, the, the eyeball above. And again, that, that eyeball thing is in the in this game as well, where it's like you closes when you're uh, when you crouch down, though, the eyeball still open, whereas everything can still see you. And then you go into tall grass that happens to have like red tops to it, just like because uh, Aloy has red hair. And it, she blends it, and all of a sudden the eyeball closes, and things can't see you. And things can come up right next to you and not see you. But at the same time, it's it's unlike other games like Skyrim, when things can start to see you, that eyeball thing will start to open up. And we'll have you, this thing, it's either open or closed, and it's like whether or not they're within close enough or not that they see you. It's it's very, it's not very well uh, told how what what is stealth and what is not. It's it's very well uh, – it, it's left ambiguous. Again, it's a little bit of a question of, that I had is that if these machines, they don't have, like, thermal imaging or something like that. Yeah, In which case, they'd be able to see you in the grass anyway. Mm -hmm. You have your magic happy grass. Magic happy grass with the red tops because it makes her blend in perfectly fine. She'll be wearing a blue, you know, out uniform, but her red hair blends in with the grass just perfectly <laughs> fine. And you just, oh, can't see it at all. Yeah. Again – 
there's a lot to do in this game. There are you'll go to a new town and there'll be a couple of exclamation marks that pop up. You'll get 15 different side missions that'll send you off in 15 other different directions. There's a leveling system and what have you, and it, there's all kinds of crafting. Like again, Far Cry, you have to you, sometimes you have to go off and get this animal skin and this animal bone and so many x numbers of this, that, and the other thing in order to make a bigger resources pouch. And then there's a another pouch for ammo, and then there's another pouch for quivers, and then there's another pouch for everything under the sun and it's just like okay yeah interesting enough i you know i'm enjoying it but it's just certain weird things like the combat can get very hectic when you blow yourself and you're going loud if you will uh if you're fighting like for example a sawtooth it's this giant tiger-like dinosaur th machine thing that's very aggressive and does a lot of damage. Well, I'm trying to jump and roll around to get out of the way of this thing from it killing me, which happens very quickly. Problem is that you there's not even so much so a lock-on feature because so what happens is you're trying to pay attention to the you know the thing that's attacking you and you're rolling and dodging around and a lot of times you'll end up getting caught on trees or rocks or something else that's out of your field of vision or if there's multiple enemies all of a sudden something could easily enough sneak up behind you and next thing you know you're getting attacked from behind and so it can get very frustrating from that aspect of the combat wall is very it's like you've got a lot of ways to go about it it can get very hectic and complicated, and especially the fact that you get caught on edges. Still to this day, I find games that you get caught on edges. They still haven't figured that one out. But at the same time, when you're trying to concentrate on something that's four, five, six times bigger than you, and it's you know can kill you within two or three hits, then you know you want to pay attention to it. But at the same time, you're you know you're strafing around and rolling and dodging and have, what have you, and it's like you tend to lose your place. And if you get caught in between a rock and it, then you're screwed. It just it can be very frustrating in that aspect. And it's like little things like that with the little things with the stealth and you know just the attitude that a lot of the NPCs are taking to your main character for reasons that are just all very superfluous. It's just kind of I don't know. It's little things like that that are getting in the way for me to having fun with the game. But at the same time, I'm still, I still, it's a great game. I'm gonna be. This is gonna be a long game. I can tell. It's just a matter of. It's not the greatest thing of all time. A lot of these PlayStation fanboys will tell you, "Oh, it's the next big thing." No, it's not. You know, it's a great IP. Yes, but it's not the next big thing. You know, and it's. Uh, I don't know. I'm very rambly right now. <laughs> you're fine. You're it's, fine. I don't know. It's just the fact that there's a lot to do in the game. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different aspects, and it's it's not a good, like, I'm going to rent it and play it over the weekend. You know you won't. It's not going to happen that way. <laughs> this is a very long game that's told in a very long story. And the other thing that's very interesting about the backstory, like, I'm very interested in, in diving into a lot of these ruins from the old ones, and I dove into one earlier that I'm not going to say where it is, but I dove into the one earlier that I knew was going to be, it was a bit of a risk because I was only level 12, and this one, this mission is telling me, this is a level 25 mission, and it's like, um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I saved beforehand, and I was like, well, we'll see what's going to happen. And then I dove down in there, and it's like, I got in there, and in, what it was, it was, it, was a, it was a ruin from the old one that you got in there, and I saw an audio log that I read into, and it was uh, the, uh, I believe it was a military installation from the Marines, the United States Marines, and it was, you could physically see it was a suit of armor that was like a, uh, it's a nano-weave armor thing that Aloy could wear, 
but you can't get into the room because you, you had what led you to this thing was you found a, a, a like a power block or some kind. You're like, oh, find a use for the power block was the mission. And then you go in there and it's like you put it into the fuse block. Oh, OK, we need one more. <laughs> no idea where it is, but it's like, nice. oh, they're teasing me with the armor, though, because, you know, that armor in like, a, you know, it's super advanced military tech in a caveman time, you know, t- idea is like, whoa, you know, that's going to be good. <laughs> yes. Right now I'm using the stealth weave armor, which is really good. It's the meat. It's the Nora uh, silent hunter medium is like what I think I have. I need to find a, when you, when you down a machine, it has a bunch of, you know, like, again, there's, this is a completionist worst nightmare type of game because there's so many different hiddens and so many different collectibles and what have you. There's metal flowers, there's figures, there's uh uh certain other antiques uh, that they're called throughout the world that are hidden that you can trade in for a lot of money uh, at a certain city, which I haven't gotten to yet. But uh, it's like, so when you down a machine, sometimes you'll get like, oh, it'll have a sparker and some wire and uh, some shards on it. And then it'll also come with like, it'll come sometimes some of some things are uh, common items. Some things are rare, ultra rare, uncommon, you know, the usual type of borderlandsy style of you know this item is uh un is is uncommon therefore it's green and this one's rare therefore it's purple you know you've we've seen that before same thing here uh sometimes you'll get like uh a lens from the machine that will be very valuable that you can trade in with merchants to get certain other things so it'll be like you need 800 shards plus uh uh a lens from this certain creature in order to get this item at merchants and the problem that I have right now is that I have enough. I have twenty five hundred shards, which is the currency money in this game, and I want to get the silent suit. That's the heavy version of it, but I need a, a heart from what's called a bellow back, which is a giant dinosaur dragonfly like creature that has a giant tank of flammable liquid on its back that it uses to spray fire everywhere. Nice. Which I don't think you've seen the bellow backs no, yet. No, I haven't. They but that are what's cool. the word I'm looking for? A pain in the ass. That's what I'm <laughs> looking for. So I've already taken them down. That's not impossible, but at the same token, it requires a lot of ammo, which I'm running low on on string or wire. I forget. I think it's called wire. Is specifically use uh, use. Uh, and that's a type of game that you need to like pick up every little collectible you come across, like because then you'll need it to craft more weapon or more ammo specifically. Uh, arrows. The the arrow for the uh, ammo for the um, the sharpshooter bow that I'm using is requires metal shards, uh, sticks, and wire. And wire is the stuff that I'm like I'm at to the point where I need to buy it from a vendor because it's like oh you need it in order to craft ammo. Though it just got better because in the upgrades tree I just got a ammo crafter which you can using the same amount of resources you get more uh, ammo from it. So that actually helps out a lot. But nonetheless, you know, I, I am having fun with the game. It's really starting to jive with me now, the further away from the caveman civilization we get. Because actually, the further out into the open world I get, the more different types of uh, tribes and civilizations there are. It seems like there's also some that have gone out of the caveman times and are starting to hit into, like, uh, Middle Ages type time frame, give or take. Uh, the game is playing fast and loose with its location. It's very ambiguous, like I've said, certain other locations. But my bet, and this is just my own speculation, I'd be willing to bet, and I could be totally wrong. More often than not, I probably am. (laughs) 
I think it's either going to be Colorado or Alaska right. is my bet. Because the reason why is that it has some very severe mountain ranges are within this on the map of this game, but there's also grassy meadowlands type areas. So I'm thinking it's in the United States. There's a lot of different text and story related things that I'm I, it's in the United States. I know that for a fact. I believe, let me put it that way, they're being a bit, a bit ambiguous, but I think it's in the United States, Colorado or Alaska seem to fit the bill, geographically speaking, so that's where I think of. I'm very early on in the game. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one of the biggest negatives I have of it has nothing to do with anything really, but uh, when you pause the game, the in-game timer when you save still keeps counting up. So it says that I've been playing the game for about 18 hours, but I can tell everyone right now it's probably about 8 or so, because... You know, kind of like Darkot and the very specific instance of the puking cat. <laughs> there are times where I pause the game and have to go do other things. Yeah. But, you know, again, I'm liking it. It definitely does get a thumbs up. Uh, if you haven't played a lot of the other games that I listed, Far Cry, Witcher, Skyrim, you know, Borderlands. Raider, Dark Souls. Yeah, all those. Then the fact that they copy a lot of the mechanics they're from of, it's not really going to dissuade you that much you're it's going to feel new and refreshing to you if you've never played those games but at this point in time i think a lot of people have probably played at least one or two of those games Mm -hmm. if you've played them all then this game's going to be like okay i've already done this elsewhere Mm -hmm. the story is what's going to hook you and the more you get into it the more it will uh there's still a lot to do you know and so far the most fun uh, thing to do in the game that i've seen is i've only been able to do it once i cannot wait till i get to another one is you've seen them in the trailers and what have you is when you're trying to uh climb up one of those tall necks is what they're called uh in order to get to the top that is a lot of fun i really like that one a lot and you know as you level up certain enemies become easier to do but as you level up you also get deeper into the map and the more interesting, more violent enemies start to appear, which as you get deeper into the map, you also find out that there's also uh, bandits and what have you. So there's also human enemies that you need to fight as well. So it's not just all mecha dinosaurs. Uh, You know, I am liking it. Very interested to see how the story pans out with this one. That's what a lot of people are unanimously agreed that it, that is where the main hook of this game is. It copies a lot, but again, where do you put it? It all depends on what you've played yourself, whether or not you'll find it interesting or not. I definitely am finding it interesting, but it's just certain of the mechanic, like the stealth mechanic going out of a bush. And then all of a sudden the eyeball opens up and it's like, I don't know. Am I seen? Am I not? It's a little bit ambiguous. They could have done that a little bit better. There's yeah. a couple of other things that I was gonna, um, okay. Yeah. One of the biggest inconsistencies that if it bothers you, again, it's it's a big problem in Skyrim and Fallout, but the facial animations and the lip syncing is, sometimes it's okay, but sometimes it's like, the, the lips are just, it's just, they get this mumble <laughs> lip kind of thing and it doesn't quite jive. Right, It's right. noticeable, but it might not break the game entirely. Uh, more people than not, okay, by the way, for the record, I'm not playing on... Uh, playstation plus i'm just playing or you know the ps4 pro mm-hmm. that's what it is P- yeah, ps4 pro, pro. Uh, i just have a vanilla playstation 4 is what i'm playing this on so it might not be an issue on the pro version of the ps4 but on a vanilla ps4 uh it almost exactly like i remember seeing it in like the farming simulator games whereas draw distance 
there's a certain point out from Aloy where as you're walking, you'll physically be able to see things render in. <laughs> they'll go from, you know, like 480p in the background to all of a sudden they'll whoop and then it's 1080p and there's a specific line as you walk forward you can physically see it. Nice. So it's like, eh, if you do, I I don't usually think about it more often than not. It's not so obvious that it's a you know problem but it's something that if you look if you know in this day and age of graphics mean everything mm. it might be a problem for some people i don't really think it's ultimately that big of a deal yeah. but it is something that i've noticed no real bugs or glitches to speak of that i've seen nice there is a fast travel system and i actually like the way they implemented this fast travel system in order to uh, fast travel, you have to craft a fast travel pack, which is basically like a backpack type deal that has like a sleeping bag in it and some food or something. It kind of makes sense. Or nice. it's, like, it's like, oh, she just goes on a, you know, a, a walking trip to that point kind of deal. And it, in order to do it, you need like sticks, shards and uh, some fatty meat, uh, bony meat and rich meat or something like that, which is this meat you get from uh, killing certain animals. Very nice. So there is also hunting in this game. And again, it sounds very similar to Zelda in the same mm. aspects. There's a lot of parallels to this and Zelda. And the fact yeah, that you come out yeah. five days apart is also kind of like. <laughs> yeah, there's also a uh, fast travel system in Zelda. I don't think I mentioned it. But unlike with that one, you can actually like see him dissolve into what I can best describe as like oh, blue spaghetti. Yeah, I've seen it. It's <laughs> he just kind of dissolves and flies off into the air and then rematerializes at your location. <laughs> So uh, that's the thing. Yeah, Zaldera says it sounds like every other open world game, in his opinion. Which, yeah, it kind yeah. of is. It's it's if you've played a lot of open world games, like I know Zaldera obviously he just did a review of The Witcher. If you play a lot of open world games, then this game's going to be like, okay, I've been here, done that. As to why a lot of the PlayStation fanboys seem to want to say it's the next great thing and it's totally revolutionized, it's like no, it has not. It is a been there, done that. I uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, this Fanto said that. <laughs> yeah, it's basically beam me up, Scotty. Yeah, for Zelda's <laughs> for fast Zelda's travel. Fast I've travel. seen it. It is pretty funny. It legitimately is. It's so funny. But, yeah, I'm liking Horizon Zero Dawn. The deeper I get into it, the more sense it's starting to make with me. The further away I get from the caveman Nora tribe, but hated the character in the first place. Yeah, they were really annoying. Like, I sat through a lot of the beginning parts of this game, like, they were annoying in that kind of like, oh, we don't take kindly to your kind here type of annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The just, heavily oh religious, God. not really understanding of the world. Heavily religious, heavily ignorant, uh, just really, really annoying people. You know? And it was, it was kind of like uh, somewhat of a MacGuffin complex, whereas the matriarchs, the high matriarchs of this society, of the Nora tribe society, uh, anointed her to be a seeker, which kind of is like a catch twenty two all, you know. Oh, you can just go anywhere and do anything type of deal, which is pretty like much yeah. a free license to an open world. It's mm -hmm. like so. It's like uh, oh okay, yeah, they whatever. didn't like that. <laughs> oh, and a lot of people hated the fact that the outcast has now become a seeker. Yeah. What is this garbage? Yeah. There must they must be wrong. Two of the matriarchs like you, but one of them absolutely hates, hates you. you. Yeah. You gotta love it, shoving it in her face. Oh yeah, <laughs> which is funny because when I really think about it, uh, the matriarchs in Horizon Zero Dawn for the Nora tribe they dress exactly like what's her name on the Power Rangers. What was the witch that was always on the moon for the Power Rangers? 
Oh, I know who you're talking about. Um, I, I don't remember, remember her name. It's not. It's not uh, Z Man, but it's it's uh, the other one. Uh, Rita Repulsa. That's it. Yeah, That's they dress exactly like her. That's exactly what it reminds me of. Yeah, move the keyboard real quick while you're talking. I have to Google this. Yeah, I have to. Because it's been a hundred years. I know who you're talking about. It's yeah, I don't know. I can't remember the name of it. I should have looked this up. Oh, that no, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> that's oh exactly my god, what, that actually is. That's exactly the way the matriarchs dress, and it's that just like that is legitimately exactly how they dress. <laughs> oh my god, that is amazing. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't come up with that. <laughs> I haven't thought about Rita Repulsa in like a hundred years, but that is legitimately exactly it. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it's just you know minor observation, but you know again. Uh, a completionist nightmare, as probably is Zelda. Oh yes. The uh, there's more to do than I can say. I have not put nearly as much time into it as I would like to have. I, uh, but it, it, the deeper into the game I get, the more it's starting to grab me. So again, if that's kind of a problem for some people, like I would say check it out. But the problem is that the first several hours of the game are not representative of what you're going to be doing throughout it. Mm. Uh, it's. Uh, Again, it's great value if you're on a tight budget and you need a game that's you're going to spend hours and hours and hours and hours on. Yes, this will easily hold you 60-plus hours for sure. Same with Zelda. You know, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm now liking it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting concept that's filled into a game that, whose gameplay you've seen elsewhere. Right. And that's why I, it's not revolutionizing anything. It, it, in and of itself, is a good game. It's just, you know... Yeah, it's another situation, like what I said, is like it's barely scratching the surface what we're able to talk about here. Yeah. Okay. I don't you know. Again, I could keep meandering. I think mine was super meandering. Yours <laughs> was a lot more to the point. I still think I rambled quite a bit because there no, was no. just so much to talk about. I rambled far more than you did. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, We again, we could keep going. Well, considering we'll the fact that Dad wants the TV, we should probably try to wrap this up. <laughs> mm, okay, so it should be only about another hour because now apparently we're being forced to head on off to the final thoughts. Yes. Alrighty then, final thoughts. My final thought for Horizon is I am liking it. It's just complicated to talk about with it without spoiling the story which is the best part yep uh do you what are your final thoughts uh my final thoughts on zelda is basically the same thing like there's a lot of aspects of the story that i didn't cover even when answering zelda's question and uh there's just it is impossible to properly explain this game because there was just so much to it yeah it's one of those things where you have to see it for yourself in order to truly appreciate how much detail and how much content there is included therein. Mm. All right, so for final thoughts, what do you want to get to first? You want to get to Funimation? Sure, we can do that. Alrighty then. I was uh, mildly interested to see because we have, we've been having issues with playing uh, Izetta. We've mm -hmm. been wanting to watch it, but we haven't been able to get to it because Funimation keeps like buffering to infinity and beyond. Yep. To the point where it's like, the back of my mind, I'm thinking maybe I should. I just want to fire it up and try a different show to see if, if it's just that show or not. I wasn't sure. Maybe uh, like there's during the, in the Funimation forum, it's hit or miss as whether or not they've actually, you know, got, uh, got the fi issues fixed. Some people are saying, Oh yeah, it works fine. And other people are like, nah, I'm still having issues. So it's, it's like kind of all over the place. Mm. Uh, so I fired was, uh, a couple of days ago. I fired up 
Funimation app, and I made the mistake of starting interviews with Monster Girls, <laughs> which is currently airing. Uh, only six episodes were uh, have been dubbed up to this point in time, and in one single day, I sat through all six episodes. Nice. Yes, that is really good. So I am caught up, and I'm concurrent with the uh, with that show. And then I also started watching uh, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, which is an interesting concept, to say the least. <laughs> the first episode was weird and off-putting and has since gotten funnier since then. So it's actually hopefully going in the right direction. You actually happened to, by chance, see uh, episode four of uh, Miss Kobayashi's. Yep. Uh, and the reason for that is because what did we do? Oh, yeah, we uh, were trying to watch Taizetta again. Again, yeah. And so, it wasn't working again. At all. At it was all. The thing. It was just kind of weird because what happened was it's like, I'm okay, well, you know, it, it would buffer a little bit here and there, but it would just, and then it would keep going. So I was like, okay, we're good. We can start watching Taizetta again. And you were like, hey, yeah, great. Yeah, go for it. Nope. I would. I would bring up Izetta, I would click on play, and it would just go, huh, and it would go back to the main menu, and then the app wouldn't play anything at all. It was very strange. Yes, but then I, what I did was I closed the app, I closed it out, all right, I hit, I clicked back on the app, brought it back up, and went to, you know, like, let's just randomly grab it, and Miss Kobayashi's happened to be in the autoplay second, it was right there, so I clicked on it, and it just poof, fired up and played. I know, it's so strange how it doesn't want to play Izetta specifically. So, uh, but yeah, before we did that, though, what else did we try to do? We uh we went to Crunchyroll and was like, okay, oh, let's yeah, just yeah, yeah, randomly yeah. watch something. Yeah. And then we found something. And yeah. well, it, no, was, it was on uh, my list forever. Yeah, it was on his list. I'd never heard of it. And I was just like, okay, so let's uh, let's fire it up. And yeah, what was the name an- of it again? Animeception. Yeah. It's uh, called Shirobako. Yeah. So um, first episode, great. Second episode, really weird like the best way i can describe Bizarre. it is like it tripped over a rock and fell into the grand canyon face first in the <laughs> second episode it was it, so weird. it's another one of those shows that i put on my watch later list due to the fact that everyone online was raving over how great it is and that second episode took a header oh god it was so weird proving that the internet has shit taste <laughs> yep again which is totally bizarre i don't know if it redeems itself thereafter but it's just ugh. yeah so we put Not it down after that <laughs> and then we were like well let's go over to funimation and see this but uh yeah so i watched that no, one no no what happened of... was we tried to watch izetta first that failed. We okay. went to crunchyroll watched two episodes of that and we're like well i went back to funimation i was like let me try something yep and that's how we ended up on Miss Kobayashi's. Yeah. The episode I saw was really funny. It was funny. It's getting funnier by the moment. So, yeah, it's definitely working out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only, I don't think there's much else in terms of anime because, again, we haven't been able to watch Izetta. I don't know where else. Uh, I think what's going to happen for Kobayashi's is I'm going to finish watching it and then recommend whether or not you should watch it or not. Yep. Is that this verdict? Mm-hmm. Uh, I really hope when it comes around time for us to watch uh, saga of Tanya that that doesn't have the same kind of Izetta issues where oh my god that would be so upsetting because I'm really looking forward to that one very much so and uh, that's all for the anime front the only thing we got to say with gaming front is we are busy we are very busy so for, like obviously different developers different publishers all together they don't exactly are you know they, they have no reason to get on the phone with each other and go okay when are you releasing oh we'll release here we'll release there it's just kind of strange how we can go months and have a drought with, you know, a little game here, game there, what have you, so forth. Then in the matter of six weeks, all of a sudden, there's five games that all can easily clock over 50 hours without even trying. Yep. (laughs) So, again, Horizon Zero Dawn and Zelda were five days apart. This past Tuesday was Ghost Recon Wildlands. 
I have it on my desk right now from Gamefly. It showed up today. At best, that game's only ever going to get a first look because I'll yeah. put maybe three to ten hours into that game over the next couple of days or so. This Wednesday, it's going back to Gamefly one way or the other because the 21st of March is Mass Effect Andromeda. Yep. And here's the problem with Mass Effect Andromeda. It's going to get the shaft one way or the other because I'll I'll try to have it here and what have you. It'll probably just sit on my desk mm-hmm. because then I might be switching playing Zelda. I might not. You'll be doing Horizon. I don't know. We're going to have to it's do like a lot of flight of, traffic maybe control. Maybe we'll see. But the problem then with that whole plan is, is that should Persona 5 comes out. Two weeks the, thereafter. Two weeks thereafter, With yep. Persona 5, which we're both going to be playing. So here lies the problem. Do I start Zelda up and try to cram it in two weeks? Mm, I don't yeah. even think that's possible. I don't think that's possible. So again, it's like... But yet again, I guarantee you, come June, not even June, maybe even May, it's going to be a drought. It's going to be the summer drought starting yep. up all over again. At the very least, we own Zelda, so we can, you know, yeah. put that on the back burner. Because, like, I don't even know if I'm going to be playing Horizon because I don't even know if I'm going to be done with Zelda by that point. Yeah, it's, a, it's the same with me. I don't know if I could get to Zelda or Mass Effect. I'm going to ram, mm-hmm. cram uh, Wildlands in. I don't have a, like, I'm interested in it, but I don't have a lot of. Hope, I think it's just going to be the division in a different setting. Yeah. That's my feeling on it. I might be wrong. I don't know. I'm going to check it out. I'll give it a couple of hours, and I'll do a first look. Hopefully less rambly than the one today. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I'm not going to be able to get into that game at all because I think it has a very heavy multiplayer focus. But so that's the problem. Again, how do you manage to, like, again, different developers, different publishers, they don't have any obligation to talk with each other to space their games out but at the same time they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot by coming in even two weeks apart from each other there's still there's no way you're going to be able to finish any of that exactly and then again persona 5 is the first tuesday in april i think is the third yes and we're both going to be doing that Mm -hmm. when i'm getting around to mass effect andromeda who knows yeah, like I said, at the very least, I own Zelda. I bought that outright. So, you know, when the summer drought hits, when it inev- inevitably does, you can take it at that point and mm. play it through there. Uh, we'll be buying Persona 5. Yes. Both of us will have no a question. copy a copy of that. And yep. uh, Mass Effect will be here and Horizon Zero Dawn will be here. So as to when you're getting to Horizon, I have I don't no know, idea. I definitely want to, but at the same time, like you said, flight traffic control is hectic right now. It's it's all you know, and again, come summertime, it'll be the drought will be real. Yep, and that's probably when I'm gonna be getting around to a lot of the other stuff. So, you know, a lot to play, not a lot of times to play it. Yep. Maybe we should try not sleeping. Mm, maybe we should. Have we meandered enough for this episode? Probably, I think. Uh... Cut down. I think this is going to be over <laughs> ninety minutes. For sure, probably an hour and 40, yeah. but uh, yeah. We're kind of getting stared at, so we should probably uh, wrap it Most up. Most likely, certainly. Uh, I don't believe there's much else. I think we pretty much covered everything yep. important. Ooh, I'm going to need some tea after this yeah, one. Good God. We probably forgot <laughs> some voice. of it. And here's the thing. I have the most frustrating thing of all time is I kind of want to get into uh, Ghost Recon so I can get that through and get that done and move on with it. Mm-hmm. I'm at a stopping point right now in Horizon where I'm about to do a cauldron mission, and I've been told this is one of the more interesting things you can do in Horizon. Right. So I'm kind of going to be going doing that. So again, <laughs> it's like, yeah, Ghost Recon and Mass Effect are getting the short shaft. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, well, I don't believe there's much else we can say about it. Yep. Uh, next episode, I hope to have a final review of Horizon. Uh, I might, most likely will not be done with the game, though. Yeah, same story with Zelda. Again, we'll have to wait and see what kind of final reviews we're going to do, what mm-hmm. we're going to do, when we're going to do it. I reserve the option to maybe have a show next week. We'll see. That's a long shot. Mm-hmm. Make that decision when the time comes. Yep. Anything else you need to say? Not really. Not really. I Already need because my voice is failing. <laughs> We're both failing. Our voices are spent. This is a lot of talking. Oh, yeah. A lot of rambling. And if <laughs> nothing else, that's one thing we're good at. Yep. And until until next time, don't choke the chocobo. Bye. See you later and bye now.